0: DiscerningHearts.com presents Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. Deacon Gutierrez studied theology at the Franciscan University of Steubenville and at the Angelicum in Rome. He holds a master's degree in theology from the University of Dallas. He has worked for the church in various capacities, including as a teacher and administrator and is currently on the faculty of the School of Faith. His expertise includes Catholic social teaching, and his writings on the subject have appeared in several national Catholic newspapers and periodicals. He's the author of The Urging of Christ's Love, The Saints and the Social Teaching of the Catholic Church. Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. I'm your host. Chris McGregor, welcome Omar.
1: Thank you, Chris. Good to be back.
0: Tell us about Pope Leo XIII.
1: Well, Pope Leo, uh, I think, is one of those underappreciated popes that we've had. He was, I guess, maybe the best way to sum him up is people used to call him a soul that dragged around a body. He was a a man of of deep intellectual talent, uh, incredible uh, spirituality really had a sense of the time, the setting and time he was in, and the role of the church in it. He wasn't liked by many of his colleagues in the episcopacy at the time. Uh, he was preceded by Pius the ninth, and Pius the ninth had a very turbulent pontificate. He started out trying to reach out to the progressive or liberal, or however does you want to call it, forces of the time, and you know got burned. And so he had Pius IX had this sort of adversarial uh, attitude and relationship with the world and with the the movements, the the intellectual and philosophical movements at the time. And so you have Pope Leo XIII, who who didn't have this adversarial position. In fact, Leo XIII spent many of his his hours, the late hours at night, he would spend in, in praying and reading. By reading the works of Nietzsche and by reading Marx and Engels by reading the, the literature and, and, and viewing the plays of the time that were considered modern and, and inappropriate, he would actually get to know some of these contemporary thinkers so that he could therefore respond to what they were saying from the Catholic perspective, from the Catholic point of view. And this this willingness of, of his to engage the current culture and, 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 and modernism uh, was what um, garnered for him some suspicion by some of his fellow bishops. But Pius IX, to his credit, understood that Leo Thirteenth had that perfect balance of the man who was at once intellectually honest, and at the same time so spiritually grounded that he could take in all this information and respond properly. So here we have a man who is this the spiritual man who, who who didn't take care of himself. You know, he didn't eat very much. He didn't sleep very much. He was up late writing and, and and reading an awful lot. He produced something like 80 encyclicals during his pontificate. And yet, at the same time, this is also the man who provided us with the St. Michael prayer, you know, who understood that this was going to be a difficult time in the Church, who receives this vision about the, the great attack from the evil one, and, and gives the Church this prayer to defend us against the evil one. Uh, he's also the Pope who gave us St. Thomas Aquinas. And, and what I mean by that is it was Pope Leo XIII who said that every seminarian must learn the system of St. Thomas Aquinas. Every seminarian must understand the Summa Theologicae, because, it, because this system provides an approach to reality that helps the Catholic respond to the modern ideas. It was Pope Leo XIII who, who gave us not just Rerum Novarum, which we'll be talking about, but also Libertas on the notion of what liberty means who gave us a whole document what what Christian citizenry ought to look like, who gave us another document on, on what the state ought to be doing. I mean, he was a man of such a wide talent, and for some reason, he's not really well-known by people. So just, I think, one of those great figures of Catholic history who, who in the midst of the great Catholic persecutions that were happening uh, during the, the 1870s and 80s and 90s, instead of sort of uh, pushing off the world, Said, embrace said to taste to the world and lead it to the truth, lead it in light to, to what the fullness of human beings can be.
0: This dynamic man is leading a different type of pontificate because of the nature of the Holy See itself. Mm. There was a dramatic change with his predecessors. The, just the nature of what they oversaw dramatically changed prior to his pontificate.
1: Exactly. Because of the loss of the papal states during the reign of Pius IX, Pope Leo XIII is the first pope in in a very, very, very long time who doesn't have to directly oversee a vast amount of land, uh, as well as engage himself in the socioeconomic and political problems that are are facing the church at this time. It was during the 1880s that the Franco-Prussian War breaks out, and, and the church is caught in the middle of that yet again. And so... Leo XIII has a kind of unique opportunity that he meets very well to address what the role of the Church is going to be in this new future of the West.
0: You know, we're a people, Omar, that proclaims our belief in things seen and unseen. And Pope Leo XIII really demonstrates that because this great movement of the Holy Spirit to be able to free up leader of the Church militant, to be able to guide it, Really is demonstrated in his not only the grasp of the world around him, but as you said, bringing forth that understanding that there is a spiritual realm. Yes. And the threat that is posed to mankind. The St. Michael prayer that he brought forward so that we engage that, but also he's the one that consecrated the coming century to the Sacred Heart of Jesus.
1: Exactly. And he's also the one who gave us the. A new look at the at studying scripture. He's also the first one to to address the the role of the Holy Spirit, this is a man who understood the 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 role of the spiritual life and this the role of of the church in light of this new world, this new enlightened world that said that religion and God were now things of the past. Um, th- this was uh, this was the man that we needed, uh, really, and God gave us an incredible a warrior, but really, I think, a saint, to take us into the the next millennium.
0: We may not be familiar with the social teaching that he would bring forward, and it would affect the life of the church for a century or more to come. Exactly. But many of us are aware of some of the vignettes from his pontificate, namely his encounters with Catherine Drexel and Teresa Lussu.
1: With Catherine Drexel, we have this, uh, which is probably the, the great example of this new industrial revolution. Drexel, whose family had made a lot of money here in the United States, and she was gifted with great wealth, and she understood the responsibility she therefore had. And as she's touring around the country on on the, the money that her, her family has made, she sees the plight of the, the blacks and the Indians and Native Americans here and she knows something needs to be done. They they need to be given the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, on a trip to Rome, she goes and meets the Holy Father, Pope the XIII, and says that something ought to be done, a mission ought to be made to these black and Indians of the new world, uh, to which the Holy Father responded, yes, you're right, a mission needs to be done, and you're the person for it. He, he gives this back to her, and as we know the rest of the story, she came back from Rome and, and realized this was her calling, and and eventually finds her own order and builds the first schools for black Catholics and, and Native Americans and, and opens them up to everybody in need and transforms, really, the opportunities for black and Native American persons here in the United States. So here's Leo 13th right, right there, you know, sort of affecting here in the United States in a very real way, concrete way, the way we respond to the world and to the needs of the poorest of the poor in our world. And then, of course, you have the whole incident with St. Therese of the Shoe.
0: Which, in a very real way, is a dynamic contrast between the two women. One would be the mission out in the world, and the other would be the mission within the soul.
1: Exactly, in Carmel. And so you have this great meeting between the two of them, and you have St. Therese of the Shoe, who is... Incidentally, you know, the patroness of the missions, or one of the patrons of the missions, but she's the patroness of the missions, but as uh, someone who, despite the fact she was within the cloister, still manages to uh, affect that change in the world because, as Pope Leo XIII understood, the work out in the world is meaningless, it's, it's, it cannot even be really truly effective unless it is rooted in that relationship with, with the Christ who loves so dearly, the Christ who, who loves the little flower, who cares for that little way, those little moments of love. And it was St. Therese of who gives us this this understanding, this woman who wanted to sort of die for the faith and the, this great <laughs> martyrdom that we hear about, later finds herself, may not die by the sword, but by pinpricks, by those little deaths that, that we all participate in every day. So here we have Leo XIII who's providing for us, you know, a, a model for what we should be doing. And in, in, in response to St. Therese and St. Catherine, he doesn't take it upon the church and say, well, the church needs to do this, the church needs to do that, the church will start this mission, or the church will send off this great effort. The Holy Father places it back in our hands. He says to St. Catherine, and St. Therese, you become the great missionaries. You take this on. So that Catherine ends up taking it on herself in the, in the concrete physical way, and Saint Teresa takes it on in this concrete spiritual way uh, by being great missionaries out to the world.
0: Both have a tremendous love for Jesus. Mm-hmm. They both have a tremendous devotion to the Eucharist. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that is something that Leo the Thirteenth brings forward for all of us as well.
1: Absolutely. This care for the effectiveness, the importance of the Eucharist. Leo XIII writes about how the Eucharist is at the center, of course, of the Christian life. And we see this picked up, of course, at Vatican II as the font and summit of Christian living. But yeah, Leo XIII provides us with that, again, as many of the popes have, with this spiritual foundation of the very body of Christ that enlivens us to do the work of the church out in the world. I mean, this is That great paradigm shift. Whereas previously, because of the violence the world had shown the church, we had this tendency to sort of try to circle the wagons in the church and say, you know, the modern world needs to look sort of look after itself. It's Pope Leo who changes the rhetoric. He didn't change teaching. He just he changes the language the church is using and says, no, the church needs to be the great beacon out in the world. And so instead of cutting off the world, instead of responding as uh, you know, perhaps Pius IX did with the Syllabus of Errors, to say the world is wrong and, and we don't have to agree with the world. Instead, Leo XIII says, um, here's the truth. Come know, come know the Savior, come know Christ. Uh, come and, 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 and I invite you to this new relationship.
0: Rerum Navarum on capital and labor, absolute fundamental building block of Catholic social doctrine.
1: Absolutely, exactly right. This is sort of the, the beginning, the, the watershed moment for this whole body of teaching and that we refer to this, this Catholic social doctrine. This is sort of the groundwork. And it's not to say that there was never anything prior that sort of laid principles. And it's certainly not to say that Pope Leo XIII didn't discuss some of these issues previously. He discusses the notion of freedom and the role of the state and the citizens, etc. But, but this document addresses this question of labor and capital.
0: The medieval guilds have collapsed. There have been tremendous strikes.
1: This is the issue the Holy Father picks up right from the start, which is now that these guilds are gone, what is left then for the labor in this new system, this new industrial system that we have before us? And so in, in, in a very real way, in light of this new problem, you know, this problem between capital and by capital it simply means you know the resources for industry you know so so money uh, but also buildings and so capital or and labor the things that transform capital into something that's that's worthwhile. What's this new relationship going to going to be like? And so he he addresses one answer to this new problem, and the answer is socialism, and he names it. This is the socialist answer, and he says the socialist answer, which is to remove private property from uh, the language we use to, to take away this notion of private property said that is wrong. It goes against human nature, it goes against the natural law, and it goes against the, the needs of the individual. The socialist answer is clearly wrong. And that's important to keep in mind precisely because there are so many today that look at the social doctrine and with a little bit of, of worry. You know, they hear the word social and they think socialism, right? But this is not it. The From day one, from 1891 on, the Holy Fathers were very clear that socialism is not compatible with Christianity.
0: We'll return to Regnum Novum with Deacon Omar Gutierrez in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from inside the pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts Free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts Free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen.
1: Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. Or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today.
0: We now return to Regnum Novum with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. I think it's important at this point we identify the 800-pound gorilla in the middle of the room <laughs> in as much that there are commentators now that take Catholic social justice or Catholic social teaching or Catholic social doctrine, lumping all together and somehow place a stamp on it and says, Catholic beware. There have been commentators that have even said that if you hear the term Catholic social justice, to run from the church. Yes and literally address that, Omar. Well,
1: that, and that's, the, great, that's what the reason why we're doing what we're doing. I mean, this is, this is unfortunate, and it's really robbing us of the great patrimony we have in the Church. We've just heard about the wonder of who Pope Leo XIII was. He was a deeply holy, spiritual man who gives us this great gift in the social doctrine, and yet we have Catholics who are, understandably in certain cases, but are afraid of it and won't touch it and don't know anything about it. One book on the subject actually called it our best-kept secret, and the reason is because some have abused the social teaching. They've, they've played on perhaps the ignorance of certain Catholics about what it actually teaches, or just through maybe a, a poor reading or through only a selective reading, they've come up with particular political agendas or approaches to the social teaching that um, requires one to, to behave in a way that, that meets their own personal agenda and doesn't really meet what the Church is trying to, to provide. The Catholic social doctrine is doctrine. It's doctrine. We have to follow it. But we have to understand it authentically. We have to understand it in its fullness. What Pope Benedict XVI is going to say, you know, sort of an integral, integrated social doctrine. And so the Holy Father, Pope Leo XIII, is attempting to give us that. And in reality, he lays these principles out really quite clearly. And the first of them is that socialism is not compatible with Christianity.
0: He also challenges those who would say, that well, that's a sign that the individual should be lifted up then, that they have a right to be able to do whatever they desire. And he even addresses that to the effect that each person is due the good.
1: All right. Each person is due the good. And he places, even in the context of, of Rerum Novarum what the labor, when he talks about private property, which you know the individualist is going to say, you see social doctrines mm-hmm. about the individual. Well, well, no. Pope Leo then says the, the point of private property is certainly to provide for our own basic needs, but more so to provide for the needs of the family. He says that very clearly. It's for the family. And then goes on to say that as Christians, as Christians, mind you, we understand that private property exists not just for ourselves or for our own family or even for the betterment of society, which of course it does, but private property exists so that we may give it back to God. God gives us these gifts so that we may offer them back to him through, in sacrifice. I mean, it's the same reason he gives us life, so that we can lay our life down in, in service of him. Why were we created? So that we may serve him uh, and hopefully be with him forever in heaven. Um, so again, in these questions of capital and labor, the Holy Father is constantly bringing us back to, let's look at this as Catholics. And the Catholic, the Catholic approach is almost never it's either or, one or the other. It's almost always both and. It's both about the individual and the family. It's both about private property, also the, the giving up of that private property and the distribution of wealth. It's, it's about all of those things.
0: This emphasis on the family is essential for Catholics. Why?
1: It's essential because it does two things at once. In the family, you have yourself recognized as an individual within a context. You are you, right? Now, you're Chris or you're Omar, but you are Chris and Omar in the context of being a son or daughter, mother or father, sibling. Your identity is caught up in the fullness of who you are as an individual, yes, but also in the context of a community. And that paradigm is always there. In a in an ideal, properly functioning family, that paradigm is always there. And that's important because if it's, if it's only one or the other, if it's only the individual, you run into the air of sort of a Uh, libertarian, rugged individualism, individualistic notion. And if it's only communal, then you you look at the communism. So the family provides you a paradigm for looking at, at the human person. The family also provides for the formation and how to understand that so that your worth, your identity, is based on who you are and not on what you do, and certainly not on what you have so that the family provides a foundation for how we view ourselves in the context of the wider community. Right from the beginning, the Holy Father invites us, when we're looking at this question of capital and labor, one of the things he invites us to understand is, is first of all, there is, there is no such thing as class warfare. You need to push that out of the mind. And when we were talking before about my point number two about communion versus opposition, this is really where this sort of really meet, meets the, the, the head if we find ourselves approaching this question of capital and labor and economics as uh, red versus blue or left versus right or m- me versus you, then we've already lost the game. There is no such thing as class warfare. It may exist in, in, in literature, it may exist in the press, it may exist in, in many people's minds, but there's no reason why uh, classes have to be put against each other. And there's no necessary reason why the advancement of one class is always going to be at the detriment of, of another class. And what we need to understand is we're all human persons, and we all need to move forward together in solidarity. So that's the first thing. There's no there's no need for class war- warfare. And secondly, um, the Holy Father lays out responsibilities of the laborer, which I think we all pretty much understand. You know, show up to work on time and and be responsible and do the work you're asked to do unfortunately, there's statistics out there that show that the average American doesn't actually spend that much time working while he's at his desk. He might be surfing the internet or doing various things he's not supposed to be doing at work. That, that's a kind of form of steel. Um, so that we need to be aware of that as laborers. But then he spends an awful lot of time talking about the, the responsibility of employers, to whom much is given, much is expected. And so he spends a great deal of time on that. And one of the things I think that, that strikes, I mean, in terms of really the a paradigm shift for Americans to understand. One of the things that strikes at this, this fundamental notion about labor is that he says you, you, you may not view labor as a commodity. Um, and the reason for that is because labor comes from human persons. It's an extension of our personalities in a way. Uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen says this very same thing, that our, our labor, our work, is an extension of who we are even as mundane as it might be on the factory floor. And so because of that, you cannot list labor as just one more commodity on your balance sheet. You know, you have rent, you have the utilities, you have the, the overhead of the materials you're trying to transform as you're making the widget, um, whatever it is you're trying to, you have all these various things and, and, and they're set prices. And so then you add the cost of labor in that. Unfortunately, what happens is when you add that cost of labor and that long list of, of, of liabilities or expenses is that you treat it as a number and not as representing actual persons. So the first thing to do is to recognize that labor is not a commodity. Labor is the extension of human persons. And so when we look at that then, we can open ourselves up to, when we're looking at something like a just wage, which he talks about next, what is the value not of the uh, to me and the business, but what is the value to the persons? What is the value to the community and my business by what I pay?
0: What would be the effects of Rerum Novarum to its world in 1891?
1: The effect was, was almost immediate and dramatic. Already in the next year, 1892, in, in this country and, and countries all over, you saw labor unions rising up, which was a, a movement that had started already, Um, but there was a great deal of of concern and uh, unease about it, Um, and here you have the Pope coming out in this document in support of labor unions, and immediately there was this flowering of labor unions and strikes over legitimate issues, just wage, worker safety. I mean, you, you, you think of some of the ways that workers were treated. The Holy Father even mentions, you know, you may give your worker a just wage, but you tax him, or you uh, place some other uh, uh, burden on him. You look at the the mining operations here in the United States, in West Virginia, for instance, where the worker may have been paid a decent amount, but remotely from other civilizations, you know, from from cities, they live in the mining areas. Well, the only stores available were run by the company that employed them. So the the prices that those companies priced them out from what they earned, and so as a result, they were actually indebted to the country to the company more so than they were to to, to, to real freedom. Those are sort of the practical things that were happening, and Leo XIII is providing this model, so the effect was was almost immediate. Unions came forward, Catholics felt able and and enlivened and, and, and encouraged to go pursue this, this work towards just wage, this work towards unions, uh, and you see it all the way. In fact, a very dear friend of mine who's passed away now, he was one of the uh, ground-level uh, laborers, uh, lawyers even, for the NFL union, um, who they understood that these men who were being used, whose bodies were being used, were left by the age of, you know, 30, uh, 40 with these broken bodies and no means to support themselves in the future. Uh, and so these are sort of the fundamental effects of, of this document.
0: At the heart of all this is the gospel. Yes. The basic seed is knowing the person of Jesus Christ. That's yes, exactly, why you've been right. teaching us all along. Omar. Exactly
1: right, and the Holy F- Father Leo XIII in *Rerum Novarum* um, says then the role of the Church in all this um, is to bring us back to that reality. It's to make us understand that at the at the heart of this this new social teaching, this new social doctrine, uh, we have a response to the Gospel. And um, what's beautiful again, as a result of uh, a result of this teaching. Uh, you see beautifully so many of our uh, Protestant brothers and sisters and separated brethren and members from other denominations too and other religions recognizing the justice of this position which comes from the gospel. Um, A dear friend of mine uh, who came into the church recently came in precisely because, he was evangelical, came in precisely because of the teaching of the social uh, message, the social gospel, if you will. He understood that um, if the gospel means what we think it means, if, if Christ truly was who he said he was, then this must bleed into my economic activity and my labor and the way I view politics and economics, and, and where is this teaching? And f- he finds it going all the way back to 1891 uh, in Rem Navarum and, and in others, uh, and he realized this, this is the way of the church. But, wonderfully, he didn't just stop with some sort of economic theory, he said, there is a spiritual reality here, too. Uh, there is a, a spirituality that drives this. So what is that spirituality? And that caused him to pick up St. Teresa of, uh, of Avila and St. John of the Cross and Thomas Aquinas uh, and these great Catholic doctors and thinkers and spiritual writers. Uh, and through that, he realized, well, then I, I must become Catholic. Um, so we, th- this is an effect. This is a result of, of this teaching.
0: Thank you, Omar. You're welcome. You've been listening to Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you that you will first pray for our mission and if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez.